0: This episode of the OrthoBullets podcast will go over the topic of pisiform fracture from the hand section on orthobullets.com. A pisiform fracture is a rare carpal fracture. As far as the epidemiology, the incidence of pisiform fractures makes up less than 1% of carpal fractures. It is a rare injury and it is often missed. As far as the pathophysiology of a pisiform fracture, the mechanism of injury usually occurs by direct impact against a hard surface, such as a fall on an outstretched hand. As far as associated conditions, 50% occur as isolated injuries, and 50% occur in association with other carpal fractures or distal radius fractures. Now let's go over some relevant anatomy. We'll go over the osteology, location, and function of the pisiform bone. As far as the osteology of the pisiform bone, it is a P-shaped sesamoid bone. With respect to location, it is the most ulnar and palmar carpal bone in the proximal row and it is located within the FCU tendon. The function of the pisiform bone is to contribute to the stability of the ulnar column by preventing triquetral subluxation. The presentation of a pisiform fracture usually involves symptoms of ulnar sided wrist pain after a fall as well as grip weakness. On physical exam, inspection may reveal hypothenar tenderness and swelling and make sure to rule out associated injury to other carpal bones and the distal radius. On imaging, recommended views on radiographs include a PA, lateral, external rotation oblique, and a carpal tunnel view. Keep in mind that a pisiform fracture is best seen with an external rotation oblique or a carpal tunnel view. A CT scan may be required to delineate the fracture pattern and determine treatment plan. An MRI is indicated when there's suspected carpal fracture with negative radiographs. Findings may show bone marrow edema within the pisiform indicating fracture. Treatment of a pisiform fracture can be non-operative or operative. Non-operative management involves early immobilization, and this is indicated as the first line of treatment. The technique involves a short arm cast with 30 degrees of wrist flexion and ulnar deviation for 6-8 to weeks. Again, early immobilization for a fracture will involve short arm casting with 30 degrees of wrist flexion and ulnar deviation for 6-8 to eight weeks. As far as outcomes, most often these fractures go on to heal without post-traumatic osteoarthritis. Operative options include a which is indicated for severely displaced and symptomatic fractures. It's also indicated for a painful non-union. As far as outcomes, studies show a pisiformectomy is a reliable way to relieve this pain and does not impair wrist function. Some complications to mention include malunion, nonunion, chronic ulnar-sided pain, and decreased grip strength. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over a few questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic has been tested on past exams. The first question reads... A 42 year old college professor reports persistent pain at the hypothenar eminence nine months after falling from his bicycle. Initial radiographs were reported as normal. Use of a wrist splint for the last two months has failed to provide relief. A radiograph obtained by his primary care physician prior to referral shows an oblique radiograph of the wrist which reveals a displaced fracture of the pisiform. What is the most appropriate treatment? And the choices are 1. Continued splint immobilization for six weeks. 2. Pisiform excision. 3. Hook of the hamate excision. 4. Open reduction and internal fixation with bone grafting. 5. Lunotriquetral arthrodesis. The correct answer to this question is 2. Pisiform excision. So the oblique radiograph of the wrist reveals a displaced fracture of the pisiform that usually occurs following a direct blow or sudden contraction of the flexor carpi ulnaris tendon. Persistent pain secondary to pisotriquetral incongruity and degenerative arthritis warrants pisiform excision, which does not compromise wrist flexion strength. Pisiform fractures are usually missed on routine radiographic views. An oblique or carpal tunnel view can be helpful in visualizing the pisotriquetral joint. And moving on to the final question. A 28-year-old man fell while ice skating six months ago and has had ulnar-sided wrist pain ever since. The patient's wrist radiograph shows an oblique radiograph of a pisiform fracture nonunion. An axial CT scan sequence of the wrist shows a pisiform fracture nonunion with subtle comminution. The pisotriquetral joint appears to be congruent. What is the most appropriate treatment? And the choices are 1. lunate ligament repair, 2. Excision of the hook of the hamate, 3. Excision of the pisiform, 4. Open reduction and internal fixation of the hamate, and 5, open reduction internal fixation of the pisiform. The correct answer to this question is 3, excision of the pisiform. So based on clinical history and imaging described, this patient has developed a pisiform fracture nonunion. Treatment of symptomatic nonunions of the pisiform is by pisiformectomy. To quickly review, fractures of the pisiform are rare, they often occur in conjunction with injuries to the distal radius or carpus. Non-operative management with cast immobilization in 30 degrees of wrist flexion is the first line of treatment. Symptomatic non-unions are treated with pisiformectomy. Palmieri et al. performed pisiformectomies on 21 patients who had pisiform area pain that was refractory to conservative management. Patients had a history of painful union or non-union of pisiform fractures, arthritis, or FCU tendinitis. In all cases, wrist strength and mobility was retained. Lam et al. reviewed the effect of pisiform excision on wrist function in patients with pisotriquetral dysfunction. After an average follow-up of 65 months, 75% of patients had complete relief of pisiform area symptoms. No differences in grip, wrist motion, strength, or power were found in comparison to the contralateral side. That's all for this review about pisiform fractures. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the OrthoBullets podcast, a daily audio review session by OrthoBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for orthopedic surgery education. Keep in mind that these podcasts are designed to go along with the topics on orthobullets.com. And in fact, you can listen to these episodes right on the OrthoBullets website while going through the topic. If you've gotten any value from the OrthoBullets podcast so far, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts.